Who's got two thumbs and can't play games? This guy. <laughs> so <laughs> that's really good. Hello, welcome to Guide to the Unknown. I'm Kristen. And I'm her little brother, William. And this week we're going to do a rundown of some popular cool horror video games. This is something that people have requested, mm -hmm. which honestly, like, not that I'm surprised by it, but we've touched on video games certainly on this show in the past. We've done Five Nights at Freddy's. Right. Uh, we've talked about... Um, Silent Hill. Silent Hill. There yeah. you go. Um, but by and large, even though I am certainly a video game fan, sometimes I struggle to actually condense what's in a video game into something that's that's shareable here. Because right. obviously, unlike a movie, video games go on for like dozens of hours of they material. They can be sprawling. They can be quite dense. I found myself up against quite a feat. Did you? With one of these games. I'm very excited about yours. I don't know if I rose to the occasion. I don't care. I found my I found myself intimidated by Fatal Frame. That's great. Yeah. That's that's there's just a lot going on. That's sort of what I expected. But that it's very cool. A deep franchise yes. is, is my understanding. Yes. So, but so we're we, going to be spoiling things, I should completely. say. Completely. I want to say this topic was inspired by Lindsay from the Guide to the Unknown Facebook group, which that's you can right. find at Facebook.com slash group slash GTTU pod because they commented asking about uh, which was the episode where we went all over all the horror video games and people commented back being like, oh, they haven't done an episode like that, but they talk about this here and this there. And I wrote back and I was like, we haven't done that, but that sounds like a good idea. So let's do it. So here we so are. So thank you very much. So we've each gotten like sort of a handful of games mm -hmm. that we're going to give in, uh, uh, our impressions of the lore. We're going to try to explain some of their stories. Honestly, my personal feeling about doing a show like this is that I think for a lot of people out there, you can everybody's comfortable picking up a book mm -hmm. or or hitting play on a movie or a show. Not everybody's comfortable grabbing a controller and playing a video game. Yeah, not well, it's not as passive. Yeah, you know? exactly. So I think that arguably less people have played these games. I haven't even played all the games that we're going to talk about. Right. But so uh, this is at least a way for us to present to you uh, a whole world of horror that you may not have access to otherwise. I mean, I feel that way. I haven't played any of these games, so I like just being able to read what the story is about without having to do anything else, frankly. Yeah. I've also, like, not a ton, but I've definitely gone and watched cutscenes from video games that you've told me about being cool on yeah. YouTube. So I feel like this is kind of equivalent. Like I have watched all the uncharted cutscenes. They're still in my YouTube saved thing. So if I ever save something, I have to go through like nine things of Nathan Drake. Like oh, good. <laughs> Sounds fun. <laughs> yeah, it is. Um, but yeah, it's it's fun to just hear about the plots of them. I know. They're very creative. Yeah. They're totally. very creative. And there's some wonderful storytelling happening in um in video games. Oh yeah. Uh the other thing that I want to call out is that uh our upcoming episode of the Netherworld Dispatch, which should be out next week on the 13th, um, we're going to be playing mm -hmm. some horror games as well. So right. if you're not already a patron, go to patreon.com slash pod, sign up, and this coming month on the 13th, you're going to get an episode where Kristen and I are actually playing stuff, some of which we might even be talking about in this episode, mm -hmm. some of which are going to be completely different. So right. we're doing all horror games right yeah. now. Yeah. Yeah. It should be pretty cool. I'm especially after researching the stuff, I'm excited to actually see it in motion. Yeah. I saw some of it in motion during my research, but like to play it. Yep. Totally different interesting. Piece. Can we start with you and Fatal Frame then, since it was so heavy? Let's get it out of the way. I really? Feel, I it's... feel heavy hangs the crown. Oh. Because people love Fatal Frame. 
I know that friend of the show and patron Drew is a big fan of Fatal Frame. Okay. I'm afraid that I'm going to let him down. Well, listen, I don't know much about... I know the bear concept of this franchise mm-hmm. and i believe it's a sprawling franchise with many entries yes it is so i know the, the like gameplay hook mm-hmm. but i don't know anything about the lore okay i if the lore runs so deep we can't be held responsible for outrageous lore what i it's just that there are a lot of games i think there are five of them okay and so they each have their own story what i have chosen to do here today yes. is tell you the story of the first game then some selected especially creepy characters from the rest of the game that sounds wonderful so I'm, a bits and bobs i'm very thrilled about that okay great so here's the deal the broader thing is that you have something in this game called the camera obscura that this is how the gameplay works and you are walking around looking for ghosts to take pictures of and the closer you get to the ghost when you're taking the picture of it the more points you get or you know whatever i don't know if they actually call them points but the conceit of that is that by documenting ghosts by taking their picture you are acknowledging their pain and freeing them from limbo Oh, that's interesting. So they can kind of carry on. So they are scary. Like yeah. they're they'll creep up on you, like stuff like that. But you are liberating them from this mortal coil. You know what? That's not bad. Mm-hmm. That's that's that brings to mind the Sixth Sense, the movie, where the ghosts are scary because yeah. they're locked in misery. But really, they just sort of need somebody to acknowledge that they exist that's and true. help them move on. Yeah. Weirdly, ghost stories are frequently like. Ghosts are the embodiment of pain or worry, anguish, not letting go. Literally, they're still lingering here. And what they need is actually some degree of tenderness, Mm -hmm. which is not necessarily what you want from a ghost story to feel warm and fuzzy. Yes. But- Honestly, that uh, it makes, it makes a sort satisfying of, sense. It makes thematic sense yeah. off of what the ghost's doing here in the first place. Right. Because when you boil it down, like everybody in whatever format it is, even if you don't agree with it, everybody is looking for love. Yes. <laughs> like it does. I don't even mean romantic love. No. But everybody's looking to feel loved. To feel heard. To feel understood. You deserve to feel understood. And so even in the afterlife, it does make sense that they're still seeking that. Yeah. Because everything everybody does is motivated by love. Correct. And they're probably lingering here Mm -hmm. because they're feeling the direct absence of that. That's, that's, you know, they say that ghosts have unfinished business. It's closure. It's literal closure Mm -hmm. on uh, how, how does... Have I made myself known and heard? Right. Maybe if I slam these, maybe if I rattle these chains. Yeah, I'll be acknowledged. <laughs> yeah. And I can feel, you know, like fulfilled in that way and I can kind of move on. Yeah, I'll Otherwise, stack these this, books in front of Bill hole. Murray. Yeah. Correct. Mm-hmm. Knock them all over. They get everywhere. No human being could stack books like that. Absolutely not. <laughs> okay. So here is what the larger kind of plot story is. I took this from Wikipedia because um, it just says exactly what it is. So I didn't see a need to rewrite it. Set in the year 1986, the year of your birth, <laughs> the story follows siblings Miku and, Mif- and Mifuyu Hinasaki. When Mifuyu disappears while searching for a famous novelist in the haunted Himuru mansion, his sister Miko... M- Miku goes to find him. During her explanation... God, I'm sorry, guys. During her exploration of the mansion, she discovers clues as to the fate of those who entered, must fight hostile ghosts, and discover the truth behind a dark ritual that took place there. Cool. The gameplay focuses on the siblings exploring the mansion and fighting off hostile ghosts using a special camera. So you're fighting them off 
in that you take a picture of them and then they'll go away because they're satisfied, basically. So here's what happens a little bit more in depth. Um, So Mufuyu is searching for his tutor, whose name is Junsi Takamine, or I'm going to say Takamine, and his assistants. And so Miku follows him. And as she explores the mansion, Miku discovers signs that Takamine, I bet it's Takamine's party, were killed by the mansion's ghosts and finds rope burns appearing on her wrists and ankles. Further exploration through the mansion turns up information on a dark ritual that took place within Himuru Mansion. A chosen shrine maiden was torn apart using ropes attached to her limbs and neck in the so-called strangling ritual. Very Blair Witchy. Yeah. Uh, Then the ropes that killed her were used to seal the Hellgate, a portal to the afterlife that keeps a dark force known as the Malice and the Dead from escaping into the living world. The last time the rituals the ritual was performed, the sacrifice was Kiri Himuru. Shortly before she took part in the ritual, she fell in love with a visitor to the mansion. Fearing that Kiri would not want to perform the ritual, the master of Himuru Mansion has the visitor killed and lies to Kiri, telling her that the visitor has left. That is very haunted mansion. Yeah, it is. Um, that's the plot of the haunted mansion in Paris. Yes, the the bride. Yes. Um, however, she does find out the visitor's fate, and f- as fear does not want to perform the ritual, this caused the ritual to fail and the malice to leak out, killing everyone in Himuru Mansion and causing the ghost to remain there and attack anyone who explored there. Mafuyu, so was the brother, was captured by Kiri due to his resemblance to her lover. Uh-huh. That's Me- very classic horror as well. That, yes, you know, you you look like somebody. Mm-hmm. in the timeline who's gone who's right. you know lover is still looking for them the idea of like opening a locket and being like well this looks just like me yeah yeah it is is that fu- would that be a funny concept if it was me opening a locket and there's a guy that looks like me from like a hundred years ago <laughs> uh, a funny concept for what for just life yeah, I guess like a smiling. <laughs> I mean, it would maybe yes. If you if you presented me a locket that had you cross-eyed smiling like that and said, "Look at this guy. I found this at a thrift store." This yes, is, indeed, that is a funny concept. Perhaps you're related to this fellow, and it's like a <laughs> grainy sepia tone photo of somebody who looks like me, but like holding so a pitchfork, like a farmer. You know, it'd be like your American pickle situation, where like that movie where Seth Rogen is you know playing himself as like an ancient ancestor yes yes he gets pickled and gets transported to today it was a cute want... movie you saw it yeah why is he alive it, you they acknowledge that's just silly it's just silly they just go with it the yeah. point is get ancestor exactly. and modern day guy together that's all so they can compare times yes and abilities yes i think I, I think that there might be a narrator to the story here and there or something or maybe they say it but they acknowledge in some way like i know just go with it yeah fair yeah. enough mm-hmm. yeah i i i love the idea of taking that horror concept, but the fact that like, usually it's like, usually the concept is a a modern day female Mm -hmm. who's conventionally attractive opens a locket and it's a photograph of a woman who looks identical to them, but is like in an elegant evening gown. Right. Right. Used to be the queen of this manor or used to be uh, the wife of the mysterious steel magnate. Mm Mm-hmm probably was killed by the mysterious steel magnate. And it's like, my God, I look just like this woman. Right. But if it were me, Will Rogers, 
modern dummy. Yes. And I open a locket and it's like <laughs> some goofball, a goofball from 300 years ago that I look exactly like. And there's some sort of a, a ghost that's coming at you me. You have to, to free him somehow. I have to free the spirit yeah. of a guy that looks 100%. And like, it's just <laughs> unlikely for somebody 300 years ago to look exactly like me. Right? Yeah. Yes, it is. Yeah. Yeah. But why? I don't know. Is it? Because I define... I mean, it's unlikely for anybody to look like anybody. No, that's not true. What do you mean? Because I think that I have defied any type of style. I My beard's unkempt. My hair's unkempt. William, that's very stylish. Look at me. No, but it's true. Okay. Well, 300 years ago, that was not the style. So I guess it would have to be I don't know. somebody I mean, with like a slick. That's kind slicked... of what Seth Rogen looked like in right, American whatever. Pickle. We'll workshop this, workshop this concept <laughs> later. I, th- I just but. think that you're not as like uniquely like un carbon copyable really? as you seem to be. Thinking. I feel I'm, I'm purely a man of today. <laughs> the, you know, Superman's the man of tomorrow. Yeah. I'm the man of today. Right now. <laughs> if you're saying that you don't have any discernible style or whatever, then doesn't that mean that you could kind of look like anybody? If you drop me, if I was in a time machine, I was dropped off 300 years ago. Mm-hmm. Do people go, whoa? Or do people go like, yeah, this, guy's, this guy fits right in? I mean, they would definitely go, whoa, but that's not unique to you. Because I'm so cool. Correct. <laughs> All right, whatever. Let's <laughs> because they didn't have polo shirts back then. I'm not whatever. wearing a polo shirt. Oh, you know what messes me up? You're... Um, What's it called? You're holding Your mask. Me, you're holding me to a style I haven't had in years. <laughs> I used to wear polo shirts 100% of the time. Now I'm just down to the t-shirt. And yet and yet, my reputation is hounding a, me. Do you wear an undershirt <laughs> under your t-shirt or did you just strip off the polo shirt? Strip off the, the polo in- shirt. This is what used to be an undershirt. That's what I'm asking. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I like that for you. I'm glad about that. Thank you. You're and I, I still, I just usually have my mask on my neck right. like a dickie. Yeah, right. That's what threw me is I saw a shirt and like something else was happening. Or an happening. ascot. Allie made yeah, all these masks that. for me, and I, I just wear them every day because I, I hate forgetting them. Yeah, totally. Yeah. It does suck to forget them. Um, why the hell were we talking about that? Oh, yeah, okay. Here we go. Because <laughs> we were talking, because we were on the, the topic of the episode. <laughs> That's why. Well, because Mafuyu looks just like Kiri's lover. Right. Who was killed by her father or whatever. This is the kind of episode, this is the kind of tirade, where we get the weirdo one-star review where they're like, they don't even talk about the topic. We always talk about we the usually, topic. We really usually do. This is the first tangent we've been on in a long time. And it's still pretty related. <laughs> You know, well, it's about, well, I guess it is about whether you would fit in 300 years it's ago. A, it was about me opening a locket and seeing a different <laughs> me, which I still <laughs> love. I would love to see it that. It is funny. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So here's here's what happens after they find out, like, why Mafuyu was captured. Miku, Miku finally reaches the chamber of the Hellgate, where she confronts Kiri's corrupted spirit. With her spirit calmed using an artifact called the Holy Mirror, Kiri accepts her duty as the Rope Shrine Maiden, keeping the malice at bay for eternity. The ending then diverges depending on the game's difficulty. In the normal mode ending, Mafuyu stays behind with Kiri to help keep her spirit company while Miku escapes the mansion. So I guess Mafuyu doesn't really mind being captured all that much. Yeah, she's like, I will stay here and I will help ensure that the malice Well, it's the dude who looked like her lover oh okay Mufuyu is like yeah I guess I'll stay here and 
make sure the malice is all good or whatever. In hard mode, Kiri convinces Mafuyu to escape with his sister. In both endings, the spirits trapped in the mansion are freed while Miku loses her sixth sense. Then there's a third ending, which is exclusive to the Xbox version, which sees the spirit of Kiri's lover returning to her while Miku and Mafuyu escape. So what I'm hearing is there are very classic elements of sort of gothic romantic horror Mm -hmm. with very classic concepts of uh, vengeful ghosts who are actually sad and need help. Right. And you set them free by taking photographs of them. Yes. And the gameplay stuff is the better the photograph, the higher the score. Mm -hmm. Now that is also not dissimilar from Pokemon Snap. I know. It's like Pokemon Snap with ghosts. It's basically scary Pokemon Snap, except that the things you're snapping are very scary. It sounds pretty cool. It does sound cool. So now let me tell you about some of the greatest hits, some of people's favorite, like most memorable scary ghosts in this. Okay, there's somebody who's known as the Falling Woman. This is from Fatal Frame 2. And this is a ghost who jumped to her death, and now she just relives it over and over. She's stuck in like a residual haunting where she's just doing this over and over again. Um, and she comes after you when she sees you, because I guess she can see that you see her or whatever. And because when she fell, all of her limbs broke, she's like dragging herself over to the picture I saw was her actually upside down and like her face is facing you backwards and oh. she's kind of drags her limbs. Almost like the spider walk you. from yes. the exorcist. Yep, exactly. Um, Interestingly, there's also a broken neck woman, which is very much like the bent neck lady. Oh, yeah. Um, So that pops up in Fatal Frame 2 as well. And then there is something from Fatal Frame 2 that's like a cool... Because the other thing is that like when you snap pictures of these ghosts, it brings you to basically a cutscene telling you their story, either before or after, I'm not sure. Okay. So there are all these like mini stories within the game telling you the messed up stories of these ghosts. Oh, that's cool. So there is a story about these freaky twins um, and it involves an esteemed doll maker who builds his daughter a cane, all sorts of doll or maybe a Connie, um, all sorts of dolls to make her feel better over the loss of her sister Azami, including a real life sized replica of her past sister. Oh. Akani forms an unhealthy attachment with the Azami doll and then it doesn't take long for this doll to get possessed by an evil spirit and operate on its own. The possessed doll makes Akani kill her father and then proceeds to take Akani's soul, which is just devastating. And um, it's very scary. Yeah. It sounds like it's like a very, very sad plot line. I, I really love the the vignette style of this, the anthology of like, this is the story of this spirit. This mm-hmm. is the story of that spirit. There's so much because then you have this like broader story where you're following your heroes who have the camera. Yeah. But then you get to learn all these little things about the spirits along the way, too, which is very cool. You know, I was never th- this is a franchise that i was always aware of but never really got into mm-hmm. what you're describing to me sounds like a very potentially good version of the movie 13 ghosts mm-hmm. with matthew yeah. lillard and tony shalhoub yeah you're right which is all about the black zodiac and mm-hmm. here's the that is such a badass name though the black, Z- the black zodiac. zodiac i love it i know but the the ghosts in that movie they did this whole thing of like there are 13 different spirits and they're each very frightening there's mm-hmm. like the witch there's the juggernaut um, there are the jackal, the jackal, that's yep, the scariest one. The jackal was a, a person who was mad and they had a cage, a metal cage over their head that they burst through and they're in a, um, uh, 
straight jacket yep. that they you know rip their arms off of so the the sleeves are just flapping loosely and they're just screaming and running after you my former boss at the salon was the jackal for halloween one year oh Were you there yeah for that year? that's right yes i was she does really amazing um special effects makeup just like as a hobby like really and amazing yeah that's yeah, really good and um she looked awesome the movie is like an abundance of style mm-hmm. arguably too much style um, yeah, thirteen ghosts. Yeah, but they they really went into like the profiles of each of these spirits, mm-hmm. yeah. and that I always found fascinating. The movie was okay, mm-hmm. but then I remember I would go online and read the story of the Black Zodiac ghosts like yeah. frequently, and that's what it sounds like. If I were a kid and I got into to Fatal Frame, I would pour over all of the details of all of these ghosts. I would want to know their individual stories. There are a lot of them. And actually one of them took off like crazy and has become kind of like a Japanese version of the Slender Man. Oh. Um, from the game, from what I used to tell you the truth, I saw one thing that said that it was spawned from the game. And then I saw another source say that the, the game took this existing character okay. and incorporated it. So I couldn't swear, but there's definitely overlap either way. And um, they're known as eight feet tall. That's the name of this character. Okay. Um, and maybe it's a weird translation or something, or maybe it's not. Maybe it's just a freaky name, but it is a woman who is eight feet tall, unsurprisingly. And um, the story of eight feet tall popped up on a Japanese website in 2008. Um, very much a creepypasta basically. And it's a long story. It's really cool. I haven't linked in the show notes and the story describes a very tall woman who's wearing a brimmed hat and who had a creepy little laugh like po 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 it says Um, and when she sets her sights on you usually children you would die in a matter of days somehow she's gonna come get you the fact that it's days makes it worse yeah you have to wait for that like the conventional american thing is Mm -hmm. if she looks at you you die right right it's sudden yeah but the the more sort of like seven days of like the ring where mm-hmm. now you're tortured and you have to live knowing that the end is coming totally is so and much there, more hard i wonder if that is at all kind of like a frequent japanese sort of horror construct because that's i mean yeah. ringu you know right, what i mean yeah. so i wonder if it's sort of a trope yeah i don't know in any way but the story i read like it was it's very cool i recommend reading it this little kid sees this woman she doesn't know what the hell the deal is and then she goes in and she tells her grandparents about it and they freak out they're like wait what you saw a tall, did you make eye contact with Oof. her? Did she look at you? Like, what happened? And they try to, you know, make her not die. <laughs> it's hard to imagine, now having a kid, it's yeah. hard to imagine being like, I know this monster is real and out there, but I mm-hmm. haven't told my kid that they need to make sure never to make eye contact with this thing. <laughs> yeah, right. You know, the idea that, like, from a kid's perspective, the adult's going like, you didn't look at it, did you? Oh, it's just... scary for a kid, but from an adult perspective, give him a heads up that you that thing might them. exist. Well, it hadn't come around in 15 years. Oh, so okay. I think they thought that they were in the clear. Gotcha. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. That makes more sense. Yeah. So that is at least the beginnings of Fatal Frame, the basic premise, and some of the, the coolies from it. It, it sounds coolie ghoulies. It sounds rad. I yeah. think that there is a Fatal Frame that's coming out on the Nintendo Switch. I think mm-hmm. it's supposed to be a remake of one of the older games. I don't know. Okay. I think that people love the first one, and then they're like mixed reviews about the sequels so okay. i wouldn't be surprised if it was the first one maybe we tracked down the first one to see if we love it or something that yeah. uh, it would be certainly fun to check that out yeah totally um okay i'm going to talk about something that is uh sort of near and dear okay. sort of near and dear we, we talked about this somewhat recently i'm going to talk to you a little bit about dead by daylight yes so dead by daylight we discussed in the saw franchise episode i was talking about how this is a multiplayer video game it's an exclusively it's an online experience 
four people play as humans. Mm -hmm. The fifth player is a killer, frequently a supernatural killer, who is trying to systematically kill all the, the four humans. Yeah. The, the, the mode of the game is less about the killer actually sneaking up on you and stabbing you to death. The lore of the franchise is that there is a Lovecraftian unknowable entity. Mm-hmm. The entity creates an arena, usually the woods. Sometimes yeah. it's abandoned buildings. It's the, it's the level. It's the player map. And they pull in a killer. And they pour in four, four humans and they pit them against each other. Can the, the four humans uh, escape from the arena by doing all these challenges? Or will the killer be able to get the better of the humans mm-hmm. and sacrifice them to the entity? Right. All right. So here's what's the, the here's, here's sort of like the construct, the, the, the meta. Here's what the game actually is and how it came together. It was put together as like, yeah, we've got a guy that's basically like a, a Jason Voorhees type. We call him the Trapper. Yeah. You know, think of Jason Voorhees as big lumbering guy with a spooky hockey mask. He's going to get you with a machete or a variety of tools. The Trapper is big hulking guy, scary mask, and he's going to get you with a variety of tools. So literally set bear traps and stuff to catch you. He's obviously a playoff of Jason Voorhees because mm-hmm. they're an indie developer. They can't get Jason Voorhees. They can't get these real characters. Sure. Except the game started doing insanely well. And so they did start making licensing deals. So now within the game Dead by Daylight, you can play as Michael Myers. You can play as Laurie Strode. You can literally play as Jamie Lee Curtis. She was mm-hmm. my main for a while, Kristen. <laughs> I played this game pretty aggressively for a while yeah. with, with some friends, Bobby, Mike. So um, there's uh, Bruce Campbell's in it as Ash. Uh-huh. Uh, does the voice as well as Ash. Groovy. Yep. <laughs> Freddy- <laughs> At least I didn't do the voice. Groovy. I can't do it. Yeah. Freddy Krueger's in there. Mm-hmm. The reboot version of Freddy Krueger. So it's, what's it's that guy's not name? Robert England. What's that guy? Is James Earl Haley. What's Jackie his name? Jackie Earl Haley. Jackie Earl Haley. Yeah, it's the Jackie Earl really? Haley version. Yep. That's weird. Now, usually, and this is important as we build up to the one I want to talk about. Okay. Usually. The one. The one. <laughs> the, the true one. Usually, whenever they release DLC, downloadable content for this game, it'll include a killer, mm-hmm. Michael Myers, a survivor, Laurie Strode, and an arena, Haddonfield. Right. You can literally walk the streets of Haddonfield as Laurie Strode. You can see the Strode house, Michael Myers' house, with the pumpkin, the jack-o'-lantern it's on very cool. the porch. It's very fun looking. It's very authentic. It really evokes the feeling of the movie. Mm-hmm. Now... With the Freddy Krueger one, like I said, it's Jackie Earl Haley, and the arena is Bad Home, uh, uh, what's the school for babies? <laughs> Nursery school? Yeah, kind Daycare? of. Where do you go? No, where did we go to, before we went to Reading Elementary? Christchurch Preschool. Preschool. Yeah. Bad did I say that already? You said, oh, pri- I said nursery school. Nursery school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's a preschool where, uh, that's part of the reboot. And the survivor, the hero character, is uh, Quentin from the reboot, a.k.a. not the iconic hero of the Friday the, th- uh, the Nightmare on Elm Street franchise. It's all reboot stuff, which is concerning. Huh. Right? It's not the stuff you'd want. It's not. It's no, not, but there's so much other cool stuff. There is. That, it, that seems like it's just a, a minor misstep. Okay. Well, let's talk about. No? Ghostface. Okay. 
So wait, before, I'm sorry. Before we talk, about, I just have to insert this. Do Do you remember when you and I were playing it virtually? Yeah. Because you, it's like online. So you know, Will was at home playing, and I was at home playing. But then we had the phone on, and we we're talking during it. And so I don't know. There's some sort of like random thing where you either get assigned to be one of the, um, you know, the runners, like the you victims. might be a hero or you might be the killer. Right. And like I have played it only a teeny bit i'm just like not really great at video games i don't really have a handle on having have my hands do different things like that and i was made the killer for this round and we couldn't believe it and we could hear people in the game because you, you could hear the other players and they were like what are they doing i think to be fair this is so nitpicky but i know people out there are thinking this doesn't sound right it was friday the 13th the game that that oh. happened but you okay, could hear the okay. other survive. It's very similar, Friday the 13th, the game, except okay. it's only Jason Voorhees stuff. But you could hear the other people going like, where's Jason? Are we just, so what? We're just going to walk around? And then they were like, let's go bully Jason. Because in the game, oh, yeah, you, can, right. you they, can hit Jason with a stick yeah, and he'll be stunned for a minute. And so it was just people teabagging and like running around Chris. And she's going like, what button do I hit? How what do I do? And I, I'm looking at what she's doing, and her character's just spinning around, <laughs> swirling. She can't do the two thumbsticks where one moves you and one looks. She can't do that. So Jason Voorhees is just like stumbling slowly, looking around, then getting hit with a stick and going, huh? What's happening? And people are going like, Jason, you suck. <laughs> Hearing the people was so funny funny i could not believe that i got was, chosen to be the killer i it was couldn't pretty amazing believe it it was like will was like teaching me how to play the game and i was chosen to be like the main person in it it, it was awesome Ugh, it was awesome it was really funny all right so let's talk about Ghostface yes. in dead by daylight so like i said they've gotten real franchise stuff oh my god here's Ghostface, Kristen. this is all i would ever i could ever ask for right yes all right i'm guessing now within the world of scream there have been two, four, six, seven Ghostface killers. Mm -hmm. Billy Loomis is probably the the most widely known. Yep. Uh, followed quickly by Stu, the original two killers. I bet people don't know Stu's last name, though. <laughs> I know it. I do, too. Stu Mocker. Yeah. yeah. But you don't ever hear about Stu Mocker. Okay, you might hear you about know... Billy Loomis, but you don't hear a lot of Stu Mocker well, talk. Here's, here's a test for you, too. Scream 2, Mickey. Do you know his last name? No. Mickey Altieri. Okay. No, I would never have guessed that in a million years. Yeah, that's okay. Uh, and and Mrs. Loomis, Billy's mother, mm -hmm. which I believe her name is Nancy Loomis. They don't say it at all, but that's, right. yeah. Uh, then there is Sydney's half-brother, Roman. Uh, Roman Bridger, director. Of course, that, that I do. <laughs> <laughs> and then you get Jill. Do, wait, do they ever say Mickey's last name or do you just know they it from like it. life? Oh, okay. I, yeah. I know it just because I, from life, mm -hmm. live in life. Mm-hmm. Because I'm from the streets. Mm -hmm. uh, and then there's Jill and Charlie from Scream 4. Certainly lesser known, but that movie's getting increasingly respected yeah. as time goes on. It's so good. the killer in Dead by Daylight is Danny Johnson. Okay. Known as Jed Olson by some. Well, that just mean, must mean he's used an alias. I don't think they're using Jed as short for Johnny or whatever his name is. The point is it's just already complicated. Yeah, right? it is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> Yes. So Dead by Daylight, one thing I really want to shout out, man, these developers and these writers are so talented. They know their stuff. They write some really extensive lore. Certainly it's the kind of thing that like if I were younger, I would pour over every ounce of information available in that game. It is, it is lore heavy. Mm -hmm. But here's the story of Danny Johnson 
the ghost face of the game. And by the way, I, my theory here, they couldn't use one of the, the film franchise characters because technically the ghost face mask is uh, predates the Scream movies. Yeah. It's an actual Halloween costume that a set designer saw doing location scouting and went, this might be good, Wes Craven. Mm-hmm. And they got the rights to the mask. And they were right. They were 100% right. But so the mask is owned by Fun World. I think Fun World licensed the mask. But not the character. Not the characters. They didn't yeah. own the characters. So Ghostface is one of the only killers that when you bought the pack, it's Ghostface... No Survivor character. There is no Sidney Prescott, and mm-hmm. there is no level pack. Woodsboro doesn't exist right. for all intents and purposes. So Danny Johnson, known as Jed Olson by some, grabbed the newspaper from the kitchen counter. It was a week old, but his face was on the front page, grainy and sunken. It was one of those muggy afternoons in Florida when the heat and humidity permeated everything in the kitchen, making him sweat while standing still. He slouched in a damp chair to read. Ew. this article had better be good his work in roseville had been outstanding ghostface disappears june 18 1993 at first glance jed olson was a modest and enthusiastic freelancer with experience in a variety of small newspapers the staff at the roseville gazette appreciated how easygoing and honest he seemed and so he was treated as a stranger for no more than five minutes into his interview Jed quickly spotted the editor-in-chief in the room, gave him a wide smile and a firm handshake, and talked about good old American values. And that was it. He was in. That was an ex-contributor mm. at the Roseville Gazette. Olson never justified his erratic career path, which zigzagged between several small towns from Utah to Pennsylvania. There was no verica- verification of his previous jobs. He had a decent portfolio, plus a good attitude. And they needed a contributor right away. The Roseville Murders. Olson had been working at the newspaper for five months when the Roseville murders began. Victims, from young to old, stabbed to death in their homes. From the reports, the victims seemed chosen at random, yet the killer knew his way around the houses. The multiple stab wounds indicated a personal motive. No traces of DNA were found. The local police were confounded. The murders were carried with fury akin to a crime of passion, yet coldly premeditated. The murderer also liked to stalk his targets. Two victims had reported being followed on their way home by a dark figure a few days prior to their death. The killer would follow them from Walleyes, a small bar, uh, and snap pictures of them at home while looking for a way in. He would watch the same victim for weeks, meticulously registering their habits and routines. When he felt the urge to kill, he'd visit the most vulnerable, vulnerable victim on his list and break inside the house quietly. So basically, they make a case for the ghost face killer Mm -hmm. to have been a stalking murderer without it being tied to the Scream franchise at all. Um, Panic rose, panic swelled in Roseville when Olsen produced footage of a hooded figure breaking into a house at night. The masked face, a white blur in the dark, stared at the camera for a second before disappearing inside. The ghost face caught on tape was the resulting article written by Olsen. Mm-hmm. So he's almost like a Peter Parker type. I was about to say that. Yeah, he's almost it's like... It's smart. He's snapping photos of Spider-Man to give to J. Jonah Jameson. Exactly. Damn it, Olsen, I want pictures of Ghostface! If only. Yeah, exactly. Um, Olsen left a note on his work desk before disappearing. I hope you liked my stories. I enjoyed bringing them to life. <laughs> Don't worry, I'm not done. 
Okay, I won't worry. Good I'm to not, hear. Yeah, I'm not worried at all. So here's the next thing. So the point is, he's a a, a very cold blooded, deliberate stalker guy. Yeah. One thing that it's I a good story. It's a good story. It's a fun story. It's oddly, it's like kind of clean. It's very. Good, it's clean serial killer stuff. Yeah, he's been moving from town to town. Yep. He has a job where he can be kind of transient like that. He's a drifter. Like he it. stays close to the news, similar yep. to the way that serial killers usually like to get involved in investigations. Um, the other thing that I think it does, it's it ties thematically somewhat to conventional movie, scream movie, Ghostface, where in the first movie, they make a big deal out of saying they're interviewing kids at school to ask them if they'd like to hunt. Oh, yeah. Because Drew Barrymore. I don't, is that so weird when you think about it? Yeah. It makes it very real. Whenever I seize on that fact, if I'm watching it, like they were asking kids if they want to hunt. Yeah. It's so freaky. It's it's very scary. Yeah. And, and I honestly, even as a kid, when I got hooked on on, on Scream as a 10-year-old, um, the idea of them being a hunter and using techniques typically used to track animals, mm-hmm. to track humans – is very scary. There's a da- there's a most dangerous game type quality to Ghostface in that first movie to me for for that same reason. I haven't thought about the hunter thing as having to do with any sort of tracking. I thought it was really just about the gutting thing. It's about it's certain it's definitely about the gutting. But I even feel like the phone call stuff is about positioning. It's almost like using a duck call huh. to bring the ducks to you. Like he can he can call Drew Barrymore and hear where the phone rings to know where she is. In Scream 2, when he calls um, Cece, mm-hmm. Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Sarah Michelle Gellar. Sarah Michelle Gellar. Sarah Michelle Gellar is walking quietly through her her sorority house. The phone rings. And she picks up yeah. the phone and goes, hello? And then Ghostface bursts out of a closet. Hmm. One, it's good classic scary pacing for the audience to have her pick up the phone then he bursts out but yeah. two from a ghost based perspective he heard where right, the phone was right. picked up and knows where she is in the huh. room I've never thought of that before there's a tracking That's positioning thing to ghost face to me how do I keep learning more and more about this movie it's like an onion it, it surprises me every day I'll never be done talking about it apparently not I never thought about that before that's very cool we also got a bad review once because we talk about scream too much what just saying. Just saying. I don't know if that's going on. Just saying. So here's the next thing about Dead by Daylight. They usually will tell a story about their killer and then explain how they ended up in this, you know, otherworldly arena yeah. governed by an HP Lovecraft entity. Yeah, because everything in this is supernatural, right. even if like the original movie isn't, because it's got the sky. Exactly. So um, like when we were talking about Saw, I talked about how Amanda mm-hmm. from the Saw franchise, when she lay dying on the uh, in in John Kramer's room of a gunshot wound, she suddenly felt herself no longer lying on linoleum, but lying on like leaves and sticks. And suddenly she was outside in the woods. Yeah. Like the entity world is the afterlife for Amanda. Right. It canonically picks up right after her death in Saw 3 somehow. Mm-hmm. So here's how our guy, Danny, ends up in the arena. So Danny pinned the week old article on top of a picture of lacerated scalps. A faint pang of hunger hit him, and he wondered when he had last eaten. Was it this morning while washing his knife and clothes? (laughs) (laughs) As you do. (laughs) Or was it last night after following that girl down the street? What a normal life. He couldn't remember. (laughs) Taking a step back, he admired his work on the wall. His mind drifted, remembering all the articles he'd written, the stories he'd planned, and the scenes he'd brought to life. Which we know is a euphemism for killing people. Right. A shiver ran through him. A chilling breeze transformed the bedroom's humidity into an opaque, freezing fog. A woman shrieked, 
Dead leaves crunched under his feet. He smiled in anticipation. Almost like in some otherworldly way, he knows. Yeah. Oh, I'm at a My place greater destiny. where I can hunt. Mm-hmm. Like he was already corrupted by the entity into yeah. going after the four human survivors in an arena. Right. So trivia, the ghost faces in this game, the, the character's real name, as well as the town of Roseville, where he did his stalking and writing, um, are potentially inspired by Danny Rowling, a serial killer who murdered five students within four days in Gainesville. Oh. Does that ring a bell? Ga- no. The Gainesville Ripper. Ripper. I know the Gainesville Ripper is a thing, but I don't know about this guy. The Gainesville Ripper was Kevin oh, Williamson's yes, yes. inspiration yes. for Ghostface. So it's it's perfect. They went all the way back to the right. source. They went all the way back to Kevin Williamson's inspiration and built a new character from that point of inspiration. Which is, that's very cool. It's very clever. I love that. They don't have the rights to the Scream movies, Mm -hmm. but they're going to follow the creator's trajectory. Yeah. We can use the same sort of source material. Brilliant. Yeah. That is very, very very clever. Very smart. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I've got other trivia that honestly is sort of redundant, but the point is... They put Ghostface in Dead by Daylight, and he's not the guy that you'd anticipate him being. They also changed the outfit somewhat from being a cheapo Halloween costume Mm -hmm. to being, uh, which like in the movies, it's like a shimmery. Yeah, it has that like nylon sort of sheen to it, which I love. In the game, they make it almost look like a leather cloak with strips of leather. It it looks like a Mortal Kombat version of Ghostface. Yeah, he has almost like a um, what's it called, like an executor sort of vibe. Yeah, he does. Yeah, he does. So it's. I'm not going to say it's not different. Mm-hmm. It has to be different by design. Yes. But when you don't have the rights to all of the IP's lore, you do what you can and you forge a new path that's hopefully, if people look close enough, just as satisfying. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's super cool. All right. So before we move on to me telling you about Manhunt, yes. which I believe you had me do specifically because you thought I wouldn't like it. Would not like it. Right. Correct. And you were correct. Good. Okay. First... You got to hear about our sponsor, career coach Tracy Michelle Bullock of SimplicityDoYourDream.com. Yeah. So this week, while we're talking about Tracy, I want to share one of her pearls of wisdom because on her Instagram page, she shares these thoughts and perspectives, I think just about every day. And so I thought that we would share one with you all out there as kind of a tip of the week sort of vibe. That's right. And here it is. Mm -hmm. Procrastination can be super informative. Maybe you don't need to be doing that thing after all. Okay. I find this a very freeing notion. Me too. And one that I have applied to my life before with varying degrees of success. Because there are certain things that you feel like you have to do for whatever reason. But when it comes down to it, there are a lot of things in life that we we actually don't have to do. Right. But we just think we should be doing. And when you're pushing something off and pushing something off, it can be worth looking at whether that's one of those things. I, I couldn't agree more. Specifically in this context of forging yes. your own path forward, of, of trying to start your own business or project or what have you that you are answering to nobody but yourself right you can get bogged down in thinking that you have to do all the same conventional stuff that's been done before Mm -hmm. which is usually to me what leads to procrastination i don't want to sit and have to create this 
logo or right. or write all of this copy that you know nobody really reads anyway. Right, but you just feel like you have to because that's what people do. It's like a status quo sort of thing. I definitely found that with, and it's funny to say as a social media manager, but I mean, I found that with our social media. Like, oh, yeah. no one was ever coming to us and being like, oh, I found you through your Instagram. Ever. Right. But I used to try to do a little bit more with our Instagram. Now it's just sort of like perfunctory. It tells you what episodes are out. Maybe something fun every once in a while if we genuinely feel like it. Yeah. And our business has not taken any hit for yep. it. If anything, we just continue to grow. So having somebody like Tracy as a career coach who can kind of help you come to those conclusions, hopefully faster than you would on your own, faster than we did on our own with that, yep. is super, super useful. So among other things, Tracy offers free 30-minute coaching sessions, which is so awesome. So you got an intro session that's half an hour long that you can book through her Instagram or her website, which is simplicitydoyourdream.com. Yeah. And for personal adv personalized advice from a business pro, you have to work with Tracy. Make your appointment for career coaching by going to at Tracy Michelle Bullock. Michelle has one L or www.simplicitydoyourdream.com doyourdream.com. And just for Guide to the Unknown listeners, Tracy is offering 20% off your first month of coaching if you name drop GTTU pod when you get in touch with her. You should be doing this as you speak to strangers all the time anyway. I mean, yeah, this should fold neatly into your daily life. Paper or plastic? Have you heard Guide to the Unknown? Mm-hmm. Come on. You know how this goes. So you'll get in touch with Tracy at Tracy Michelle Bullock or through simplicitydoyourdream.com. And just like everybody else, let Tracy know that GTTU pod sent you for 20% off your first month of coaching. Yes. Very cool. Regular so unleaded. Have you heard the most recent episode of Guide to the Unknown? Can you believe what the kids did this time? They're blowing my mind. Right. This is the sort of thing that you do. Yes. You do. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> this is the sort of thing you do. It's Very what, proper. It's what you do. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So let's talk about a very improper game. Let's do it. This game's rude. It, this game's yes. rude, crude. It's got a dude. It sure does. It's not my kind of dude. This is an exploitation game. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It's a torture porn game. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So this is called Manhunt. And William was correct when he predicted that I would not like this game. Sky's not my kind of guy. Um, but I will say, it does have an interesting plot line. Like, it's very fun to talk about. It's pretty cool. Yeah, I enjoyed I enjoyed researching this, but I was like, Bleh. Oh, Bleh. yeah, it makes you want to throw up. Yeah. But it's so cool. Yeah, no, it's pretty cool. It's they found a way to do the kind of thing that, like, Rob Zombie loves, mm -hmm. but not make it feel like that. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Because I think that he would revel in this because it's it's violence overload. Uh-huh. Violence explosion here. The point is violence, violence, violence. Right. But there's also a very frightening story mm -hmm. that is is pulling it all together, that's weaving all the killing together. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's pretty neat. So this is what the plot is. There's this guy named Cash who's on death row and he's about to be executed when he wakes up from his death and it turns out that he was just sedated, not actually given like the killing shot or whatever. And he has an earpiece in from somebody who's calling themselves the director. Now this is Brian Cox yeah. who's doing this, which is awesome. His voice is one, uh, if you don't know who Brian Cox is, the best voices in the biz. Absolutely. He is, I think one of the best known things of his is 
honestly, X-Men 2. Yes. He was the bad guy in X-Men 2. Mm-hmm. And he was the original Hannibal Lecter in film. Yeah. And that movie is called Manhunter. And this game is called Manhunt. Yeah, you're right. That's I interesting. Know. Um, also, what's his character's name in this? You end up finding out. Um, his name is his character's name is Starkweather, which I found kind of close to Stryker. Yeah, sure. It's a bit of a stretch, but still, it, it jumped out at me. Um, also, he's in Succession. Okay. If anybody watches Succession on HBO, I'd say that that now is what he's most well known for. He's in the movie Zodiac, which I love. Yes. Yep. And um, he's the voice of McDonald's commercials where he goes, Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, like oh, that. Really? Do you know you know those commercials, right? Uh, well, they've been doing that jingle forever. No, but it's like him just doing it like I did it, like all soft and casual. Really? Yeah. He'll be like, two juicy burgers on a thingy. Ba-da-ba-ba. What, you couldn't think of the word bun? Yeah, I guess not. <laughs> what else are they going to be on? A thingy. I don't know. Yeah, a thing. With the Two se- juicy burgers on a thingy. With the seats. <laughs> the pillowy one. What is that? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so the director is in his ear telling him that he can be free, this guy Cash, if he roams around the city killing hunters, which are different gang members. And he'll and uh, the director is going to be able to know that Cash is actually doing it because there are CCTV cameras all over the city that will be documenting it. So an interesting wrinkle to the way that this game is told to us is that we're finding all this out because it's being reported on by a journalist. Right. So it's kind of, kind of, kind of found footage a little bit. It's very found footage Yeah. The, the whole presentation of the game, a lot of it is like, you know, uh, uh, camera angles that suggest peeping toms mm-hmm. and, and watching, like you said, the CC TV yeah. camera footage. It's it's very voyeuristic. Yeah. Um, all right. So you you know you're playing as this guy. You're going around killing like messed up sounding gangs, including and everything has like a Z on the end. So there's a Nazi skinhead gang called the Skins, um, a sadistic paramilitary group called the War Dogs, and at one point they kidnap Cash's family to use as bait. Huh. Bad guys. A group of psychopathic murderers in monkey costumes called the Monkeys with no Z, which I found surprising. Yeah, that's weird. An outlaw gang called the Innocents with a Z, consisting of the Scullies with a Z, who are occultists with skull makeup, um, Hispanic occultists with skull makeup, up and the baby faces who are demented pervs wearing baby masks and a group of schizophrenic former inmates called the smileys so he's working his way through all these people killing them for the director uh right after he kills a bunch of people the journalist who we are hearing about from him enters the store hearing him about him from enters into the story gets to him and tells him that she knows who the director is it's lionel starkweather who's part of a snuff film ring so i guess he's using this as his snuff films like he's having cash produce content for him right now basically he's he's paid money Mm -hmm. to have a serial killer not actually be put to death so that he can film the serial killer killing people so he can sell videos right um so she's like i have evidence and we're gonna bring it to the police i got it all figured out uh, i just need you to escort me to my apartment because people are after me so they go there um and then Starkweather sends the police who he has in his pocket because he's blackmailing the chief of police after them oh. to the um you know, to the apartment to like get them and stop them, but they manage to escape. So Cash tells the journalist to just go turn in the evidence, get this taken care of. I'm going after Starkweather. Oh. Um, but Starkweather, once Cash gets to his place, has a final henchman whose name is Pigsy. Yeah. 
Um, he's a chainsaw wielding guy wearing a pig's head and he's usually chained up in the attic, but he has been let loose to take care of cash. Sort of a leather face crossed with the gimp from Pulp Fiction. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Um, Cash is able to kill him by tricking him into standing on a grate that collapses. So he's like, whoa. And then I guess Cash like steals his chainsaw and kills him with it. And then he goes to Starkweather and disembowels him with the chainsaw. Oh, wow. So then that's the end of the game. Uh, The police get the evidence from the journalist and they're able to prosecute the rest of this snuff film ring. But Cash, why he's nowhere to be found. Which is weird because lives to die another day. They treat it like he's you know like escaped into the night. He's gone free. Mm-hmm. But the whole story started with he's a serial killer that they were going to put to death. Yeah, right. Your hero character is a depraved serial killer who only survives by serial killing. Yes. This was a severely controversial game. Yes, it was. So, and. In part because of this. So the plot line is dark, but the gameplay mechanisms might be even darker. Um, So a lot of games have different difficulty levels. And here, the normal difficulty level is called Fetish. The harder one is called Hardcore. And there are three levels of murdering that you can do. Like three different flavors. Hasty, Violent, or Gruesome. The weapons in the game are things like plastic bags, crowbars, and baseball bats, kind of like found objects. And then later on in the game, you can use guns. And unsurprisingly, you get more points for making the kills as brutal as possible. So you're supposed to make it as like bloodshedy, yeah. basically, as possible. You stalk people, mm-hmm. you crouch and sneak up behind people, yeah, and then you behind. hold a button to ready your weapon. And the longer you wait at the ready the more gruesome the kill's going to be. Mm-hmm. So if you manage to creep behind them long enough, you'll get the hard hardest core kill, yeah. which has the hardest gruesome. core an- gruesome. You'll get a gruesome kill with a gruesome animation and your score will be astronomical. Right, but you're making you're taking a risk because the longer you're crouched back there, they could turn around and see you yes. and put up more of a fight. It is insanely stressful, this game. It sounds like it. Just looking at the, the cover of the game looks stressful to me. It's like all close up and blurry because yeah. it's like a CCTV thing of like, a very scary guy's face. Oh, yeah. Um, when your health is depleted in the game, you take painkillers to raise it back up. Now, that's a thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So the, the developer of this game is Rockstar Games, yep. best known for Grand Theft Auto, mm-hmm. which was insanely controversial in its own right. Of course. They also um, uh, were one of the publishers of a game called Max Payne, mm-hmm. which was like a hard-boiled detective kind of story where the guy's like, I knew the second the rain came down, the, the rain was pouring like the misery pours out of my heart. And the, in that game, you'll find painkillers, and that's how you replenish your health, too. Just like, you know, if John McClane from mm-hmm. Die Hard just pop an aspirin in the third right. movie, right? He just always needs aspirin or else he's, his hangover is going to make it impossible for him to be effective. Yeah. So they played that up. And then here in Manhunt, they sort of, I guess, kept that. Okay. But it, it feels it feels so much more insidious in this environment yeah, to just so be grimy. eating painkillers. Yes. Yeah. In that context, it makes a little bit more sense. But I was like, ew, of course that's what it's it is. It's less heightened here. It's more depraved here yeah. than a ridiculous, over-the-top, hard-boiled detective story. Yeah, totally. Because this seems like Where you have like a hero a, who's ostensibly good. Right. This is a bad guy a bad anyway man. who's like yeah. gobbling painkillers <laughs> yeah. and like killing people as violently as humanly possible right it's like so for brian cox will be like yes yeah right did it yeah yeah Yeah. oh brian cox is so he's incredible so there was a lawsuit 
having to do with this game because one teen killed another teen in Britain. Oh. And the rumor was that that kid who killed him was obsessed with this game and talked about it constantly, was like super duper into it. And then he killed his friend in a super violent way. Okay. Um, it kind of went back and forth with people then saying that it was misreported and that it was actually the kid who was murdered who was obsessed with the game. But either way, it got really muddy. Yeah. Um, it was brought into court and the game got a lot of really terrible terrible publicity. So there is Manhunt 2. Yep. Um, it was released in Britain. It was not released in America, if I'm remembering correctly. And it's not as popular. I think it was heavily censored here. Uh-huh. Um, it doesn't follow the same plot at all. It's not about... No, like, it's a totally different thing. Yeah, it has nothing to do with like trying to get snuff footage. It's more of a like fight club type mm-hmm. story of just like somebody who's out of his mind trying right. to escape a place. And I haven't, I haven't played that. I've played Manhunt, mm-hmm. and I usually can't play more than an hour. Yeah. Um, at all. Not mm-hmm. like I'll play it for an hour here and there. Yeah. Like, I've never gotten past the first hour of the game. Mm-hmm. Um, number one, it's too hard. Yeah. Number two, it's too spooky. Too scary. It scares me. It stresses me out. Because you it have seems to- like it. It's all about, like, hiding in shadows from other crazy people that are like, I heard you. Yeah. Where are you? Because everybody else has been told that if they kill you, maybe they'll get set free. Mm-hmm. So you're really up against it. Yeah. And there was another mechanic in the game that if you had a headset and you plugged it in- Oh, yeah. Wore it, yep. The Brian Cox voice would come through the headphones. Yeah. So I mean, that's awesome. He'd be speaking directly into your ear going like, yeah, that's right. Now, get him. Mm-hmm. And it was just no. That's so, scary, it, Kristen. It's so scary. Yeah, it's it so sounds stressful. like it. It is kind of fascinating. Uh-huh. Um, there is an aspect of this game that. Um, so honestly, this is weird. But so I, I, I'm a writer, and I, I write audio dramas. Yeah. And uh, Grand Theft Auto, starting with Grand Theft Auto Three, one of their big claims to fame was the radio stations. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. You could steal a car drive around and change the radio stations. You could listen to real music, pop music, mm-hmm. you know, uh, uh, and they had talk radio stations. So they would have scripted, written, edited pieces of material where somebody's going like, all right, welcome back to Chatterbox. We're taking calls from people around the city. Yeah. And it was comedy. It was very funny, like weirdos in the city calling to be like, you know, I want to talk about pigeons, <laughs> you know, Pigeons are kind of delicious, you know? And sometimes you catch one, it's got a little note attached to it. It's like a fortune cookie with wings. Oh, and the guy's like, okay, well, enough of talking to you. Is anybody sane listening? If you're a sane person, call in now. Yeah. Like, just like weird comedy stuff. But they would refer sometimes uh, in the Grand Theft Auto games to Carcer City. Mm-hmm. Carcer City is the setting of Manhunt. And so it started being its own little Marvel cinematic universe of all these places really exist. Oh, I like that. All these things are tied together. And and like I said, if I were younger with Dead by Daylight or something, I'd pour through every ounce of material. That Mm -hmm. is what I did with Grand Theft Auto and and Manhunt of looking at all the ways that these things are connected and who are these characters and where did all this stuff come from? And it was all just so new and Mm -hmm. creative. And again, a, a medium that not everybody engages with. Right. And on, honestly, it's also sort of where my love of um, uh, audio comes from. I, that and like Mel Brooks's The 2,000-Year-Old Man mm-hmm. and like very early podcasts. Yeah. Like, listening to stuff that you can't see is frequently just as immersive or mm-hmm. immersive in a different way. Yeah. So uh, Manhunt will always have a sort of a soft place in my heart, despite it being so grungy and disgusting. Cause yeah. Brian Cox's audio 
it's not a film actor who's slumming it mm-hmm. and giving a bad performance because oh, I no, got to do this video game thing. He's going for it. And he gives you the sense that this depraved man really exists and he's whispering into your ear. God. It feels so aggressively real. Yeah. It's fascinating. Yeah. Yikes. All right. The last thing that I'm going to tell you about, Kristen, I think, is going to pick up partially from there. Like I mentioned, Rockstar Games, Mm -hmm. they did Manhunt. They did Grand Theft Auto. And I said that they published a game called Max Payne. Yeah. The actual developers of the Max Payne uh, game series were uh, Remedy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Remedy. And they went on to make a bunch of games that I didn't play because it wasn't Rockstar anymore. And I was a Rockstar fan. Yeah. But I recently doubled back. And boy, oh boy, Kristen, do I have some recommendations. Okay. So, Hunt a Killer, right? I've been working on the Blair Witch series for the past year. It's been wonderful. One of our showrunners for one of the seasons is a very talented writer, Travis Madden. And I was talking to Travis about Twin Peaks and horror and video games. And something that Travis suggested to me was checking out a game called Alan Wake. Mm, mm -hmm. Are you familiar with this? In theory. Okay. So Alan Wake is a video game where you play as Alan Wake. It's a guy. Yeah. He's a writer. And uh, he has gone away to a little town, uh, Bright Falls, Mm -hmm. it's called. And uh, he's going away for a retreat so that he can get some writing done. Um, But he goes to this town, and it is so clear from minute one that this is Twin Peaks. Yeah. One of the first places that he goes is a small diner, which is the exact same floor plan and layout as the Double R Diner. Mm -hmm. Because you can't copyright a floor plan. I mean, maybe you can copyright a floor plan. I don't know, but they Uh. used it for sure. And you can turn on the jukebox and you can walk around. You can explore things and talk to the people that live in this quirky place. They don't have the log lady, which Uh is a a very Twin Peaks-y character. It's literally a woman who carries a log around and talks to it. They have the lamp lady. Uh. Everything in Alan Wake is about light and dark. Okay. Bright falls. Uh Alan Wake. Wake up. It's about day and night. By day, this is a very quirky place. By night, this is a very dangerous, dangerous, dangerous place. Mm -hmm. The basic concept of Alan Wake, this is not something that you would get by playing the game necessarily. This is heavy spoiler territory. And and I want to say, I highly recommend Alan Wake. If you don't want spoilers, this is a great time for you to leave, quite frankly. Thanks for listening at gttupod, patreon.com slash gttupod. You should go play this game. I do want to play it. It's fantastic. Yeah. I'm going to spoil it for you right now. I, I don't mind spoiler, spoilers. Okay. So Alan Wake has gone to this town and he will end up encountering monsters. At night, the townsfolk, the average town folk, get corrupted into these uh, uh, like humanoid monsters that are babbling nonsense. Like They'll just be like, I don't like it here. And that's how you know someone's near you to uh-huh. begin with. Like it'll just come from over there, or somebody okay. will just be like, "I said not. I said steak and eggs. I want breakfast." And you're like, "Oh, I guess there's someone here." They'll yeah. say non sequitur, crazy things, and now they're running at you with a knife. Uh-huh. You turn, you shine a flashlight on them first. You have to hold the flashlight on them to eliminate the darkness that's en- engulfed their bodies. Yeah, and then you can shoot them with a gun. Okay, so you've got to shine a flashlight, and then you can kill them. Sounds like a two-thumb kind of game. 
It's a Kristen. It's a two thumb. A real two thumber. I would love. For you I to play this. don't I, know how well I would do with that. You need like a training. Yeah, you I know. need to literally train because there's a whole world. I know. I know. A whole world of wonderful stories. I know. Um, and just the two thumbs run your way. <laughs> they really. Are. Who's got two thumbs and can't play games? <laughs> this guy. <laughs> so <laughs> that's really good. <laughs> that's that's really good. So stupid. It's stupid, but it's really good. Yeah. So anyway. <laughs> God damn. So anyway, throughout the story, his his he loses his wife. She ends up falling in, in Cauldron Lake at the cabin that he's staying at. Uh-huh. And here's what the story ends up being about. And it's so weird, Kristen. It's so weird. So he's a writer. And the things that he writes change reality. Mm. There is a whole thing, and you don't necessarily get this from just a blunt playthrough. If you play the game, you just encounter weird people and weird events, mm-hmm. and it's up to you to piece it together. But if you find, like, as you play through the game, you'll find pages of a manuscript that Alan Wake has been writing. Okay. So there's all this other extensive lore stuff, again, that you can look through in menus and and read through all these stories, all this text, text, yeah, text, text, text. You can find a TV in the game and turn it on, and a show will play. On the TV, you can just your character can stand there and watch a TV in the game. Oh, I told you it would take me a million years to play this game. Oh, Kristen, it's which is fine. Wonderful. I'm not complaining. Remedy, uh-huh. Remedy is a, a, an outstanding game developer that they do mixed multimedia. I think I think just outside of Hunter Killer, Remedy does tons of mixed media hmm. that is insanely immersive. Just like Hunter Killer, like you play a game, you get audio and video and stuff. Yeah. Remedy will have that all be in the video game where you're you can walk you make your video game character turn on a TV and stuff. It's fan- I love that. Kristen, it's fantastic. That reminds me of I know I've talked about it here before, but that game that you and I both played on the computer it was a PC game. It was a going home, gone home. Gone home. Yes. yes. Where like you if you walked into a room, like it wasn't just that there was a static chest of drawers there. You could open the chest of drawers and there's gonna be a note there. Yep. Like whatever. You could interact with everything. A hundred percent. All yeah. these things are very mist inspired, I mm-hmm. think, to some extent. The exploration, the looking for clues, the reading through documents. Yeah. But so um what the game ends up exploring to a certain extent is that there is a doctor. Dr. Emil Hartman, Mm -hmm. and he runs an artist's retreat where he's basically a therapist for artists who stay there. So Bright Falls, this town, is loaded with different kinds of artists. Uh There's Thor and Odin, two elderly rock stars who are since retired but hang out there and argue with each other and play chess, and you can just overhear them having conversations about the rock music they used to write. Yeah. The rock music that... They wrote appears in the game periodically and stuff, which is very fun. That's cool. Um, there are painters. And the thing is, Dr. Emil Hartman has noticed that in this town, when artists create something, it changes reality. Mm. And Alan Wake, being a writer, being able to literally change settings and say, you know, the wind swept and suddenly we were outside. Yeah. He can change the entire fabric of the world around you. And Dr. Emil Hartman has been trying to exploit this ability Why in artists not? in town. So it's kind of like Bert and Mary Poppins with his chalk. Bert would be right at home in Alan Wake. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. What is Bert? Is Bert like some sort of a I don't mage? know, man. Yeah. He's a- <laughs> <laughs> right? Like, <laughs> I don't know what a mage is. It's a wizard guy, right? Yeah. yeah it's like a training wizard. A magic man. Yeah. A mage. Yeah. yeah I think I think Bert canonically is a mage. Do you think Bert <laughs> hangs out with Mary Poppins because he wants her to teach him her arcane magics? No, I feel like they're almost peers. No. Maybe that's why they know each other. Why does she come in off the wind? She's a witch. 
She's a wind witch. But he's just always no, around? I don't know. I don't know. Is he actually cleaning chimneys? <laughs> What's Bert doing? I don't know. They, I mean, they both have like powers. Did he summon all those other chimneys? Yes, he did. <laughs> he conjured them <laughs> to do that he dance. He summoned a dozen doppelgangers. Yeah. Remember that scary, that part where they're dancing on the roof and Mary Poppins just keeps spinning and spinning and spinning with her yeah, head? This is a scary movie. It's a scary movie. I haven't seen that in a long time. Yeah. But so um, I was obsessed with it when I was a kid. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you were in love with Dick Van Dyke. Yes, I was. Yeah. Famously, I was in love with Dick Van Dyke. He's still out there. I know. I know. And he's got a young filly of a wife. Is that right? Yes. His wife is like 45 years younger well, than him. Well, it doesn't mean there can't be an accident. <laughs> I don't want an accident. Oh, wait. <laughs> What? This is a little uh, an accident? What'd yeah. you mean? I thought you know what? I thought you meant like an accident within their marriage where like I get to hook up with No, I, I was implying that you murdered Dick Van Dyke's wife. That makes more sense. Well, does it? I don't know. They're they're both weird. But also, you know how there's like the concept of a hall pass? Wouldn't it be weird if my hall pass is Dick Van Dyke? Dick Van Dyke. <laughs> My ultimate after all these years. Yeah, exactly. Okay, sorry. Um, but so, all right. So that's the plot of Alan Wake to a certain extent. Now, here's the the wacky old thing. Alan Wake, to my understanding, didn't do great. Yeah. It didn't do super well. It did fine, but mm-hmm. it didn't light the world on fire. Cut to recently, the last couple of years, Remedy makes a new game called Control. Now, I think we talked about this a little bit in the past with the SCP Foundation. We did a whole episode about the SCP Foundation, which is all about you find an artifact, you lock it up, a fridge that'll eat you. Yeah. Wacky stuff. Control, the video game, is basically the SCP Foundation. Mm -hmm. Same thing. Giant, you know, government building, and they track like a lamp that if it shines on you, it melts your skin. Yeah. And there are all a million documents in that as well. Of like, here are all the different artifacts. Here's what they do. They they had DLC of Alan Wake, a sort of sequel to Alan Wake. Mm-hmm. If you download it and you play it, it's been 10 years since Alan That's Wake cool. came out. There's been no update on what happened to that guy. Yeah. He's trapped in Bright Falls. He's a writer. He can change reality, but nobody knows what happened to him. Like Nelson Tether's puzzle agent. Yeah. Oh boy. That's a game that Will and I loved, and they never made a, they never kept making sequels. They only made two of them. Yeah. Puzzle Agent was wonderful. It's great. It's great. Also, who knows where Nelson Tage tethers us? He could be anywhere. I know. Outer space. Mm -hmm. But uh, that was also very Twin Peaks inspired. So in Control, if you get to the Alan Wake portion, first of all, your character will just be walking down a hallway, and then Alan Wake, footage of Alan Wake will just play on top of the game screen. You know that quality in that's so exciting. You know I in bet. Twin Peaks when like they like do, do a double exposure and yep. it's Kyle MacLachlan's face somewhat transparent. You can see another Kyle MacLachlan mm-hmm. looking around. It's that, and it's Alan Wake going like Jesse walked down the hall. She was in charge now, but did she know what to do? That had to be so exciting. It was so exciting, and not only that. Wait, did you already had you already played Alan Wake yes. and you wished it was so you got to have this experience of being like, holy yes. crap, this is Alan Wake. Yes, that's. Awesome. And so you go to an arena. Video games have, you know, boss fights and stuff. But you go to an arena where this government building is now holding a lot of the artifacts from the Alan Wake incident. Mm -hmm. And so they're in this building. And so they all have, like bits of uh, memory attached to them or supernatural stuff that ties to the events of the Alan Wake game. So you can hear echoes of the video game in this government building. And they captured Dr. Emil Hartman from the Alan Wake video game who was running that facility trying to take advantage of all the artists. And you fight him in a boss battle. He's like a middle-aged man who ran an artist retreat. Yeah. And there's a boss fight. That's awesome. But here's why. 
the town where Alan Wake takes place has some sort of crazy magic to it that he was trying to harness. Mm -hmm. In between the games, they say, he threw himself into the lake, believing that to be the source of the power. And he came out different. Ah, so so he was right. He was right, but... You know, it's sort of that like uh, uh, careful what you wish for uh-huh. notion. Just like at the end of Indiana, Indiana, any Indiana Jones movie. Yeah. When you achieve the ultimate power, it usually melts your face. Right. You shouldn't be going after these artifacts. Dr. Emil Hartman, you walk into a room and the lights are flickering on and off. And there's a tall, like 20 foot tall humanoid being in there scuttling around and watching you. And the lights flicker and I always have subtitles on. And it says at the bottom and you hear just this like growling voice screeching. Hartman was stretched. He's. That sounds awesome. No longer human anymore. His body has been pulled and distended up into this 20 foot tall beast. And he's mindlessly coming after you because of the power that he got. Yeah. Hartman was stretched. Referring to himself in the third person, indicating yeah. some sort of a madness. The fact that he was stretched, what does that mean? That should kill you. No, you didn't? You're just a monster now? Oh, okay. You got to find some way to fight him. It was one of the hardest things I ever did in a video game, Kristen. Yeah. And all the rumors, now having done that DLC, is that Alan Wiggs coming back. They're going to do more with this writer who has now so cool. been to alternate dimensions and is and can control reality through his writing, which is very Stephen King as well. Yeah. Stephen King stories are about writers. Mm-hmm. And I'm a writer. And the idea of writing as a superpower is so enchanting to me. Yeah. Alan Wake. That sounds awesome. And control. There's so much lore I didn't get into mm-hmm. because you see how long I just went. It sounds awesome. There's I love it. so much more. I would honestly, I would almost advise like, let's figure out the, the two thumbs and then we launch you into Alan Wake. Because Kristen, it's wonderful. I'm sure, there. I'm sure there's an easy mode. Even easy mode. I need a game for a child. I'm useless. <laughs> These things, <laughs> they're useless. Thumbs. <laughs> um, all right, everybody. There you go. Yeah. Honestly, some horror lore and some horror recommendations. If you mm-hmm. are a gamer and you haven't played these, go get them. If you're not a gamer, this is a whole world of stuff that maybe you didn't get to hear about before, some of which is admittedly inspired by other kinds of media. But video games do things different. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, and you can be like me and like go on YouTube and watch cutscenes and stuff if you don't want to play them, but you think these stories sound cool. Why not? You know. Why not? Yeah. Do it. an option. Check out Manhunt. Check mm-hmm. out, like, listen to Brian Cox talk for like five seconds yeah. in Manhunt and you'll get it. You will. You'll, you'll also get why I've never gotten more than an hour in, mm-hmm. but you'll also understand why I've played that first hour like 20 times. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty cool. It's, it's, it's super cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there you go, everybody. Uh, what did we cover? What games? What was, yeah. What was your first one? Uh, I talked about Fatal Frame. Then you talked. Fatal Frame, Dead by Daylight. Manhunt. Manhunt. And Alan Wake. Alan Wake and Control. Mm-hmm. Look all those things up. They are... And Nelson Tether's Puzzle Agent. Yeah, look up Nelson Tether's Puzzle Agent. Yeah. They're all creative. They're all clever. And they all, I think, to some extent, push the limits of, of games to a mm-hmm. certain extent. There's there's a multimedia bent there. There's a lot of story Yeah. that I find really engaging and fascinating. Yeah. So it's, there you go. 
It's re- they're all really awesome. And if you'd like to check out more guides to the unknown, you can go to gttupod.com. That has everything you need, links to all of our episodes, to our merch, and to our Patreon, which you can also access directly at patreon.com slash gttupod. If you donate at the $4 or more per month level, then you get all kinds of thank you bonuses, monthly episodes, monthly live streams, little um, bonus episodes here and there. We actually released a 20 20- minute bonus episode last week on top of our like monthly yeah, on the books right. episode just because we had too many stories to fit into last week's episode so we recorded them and put them just for our patrons to say thank you yeah why not? so go check it out it really keeps the show going we so so appreciate it and we give you a lot of cool stuff in return and like i said coming up this month's netherworld dispatch is going to be us playing some horror games mm-hmm. so you're going to hear some clips from the games you're going to see us struggle maybe we'll get Kristen to try to exercise those two thumbs and see what happens what happens well why not yeah uh so go patreon.com slash gttu pod follow at gttu pod to stay up to date with everything that we're doing every new release that comes down the path and if you want you can also follow us that's right i'm at chillin Kristen. i am at the myth traveler so thank you all so much for hanging out with us Thank you for the suggestion, Lindsay, yes. to talk about video games. We don't do this very much. Yeah. Everybody go check out previous episodes in our archives where we've talked about Silent Hill, Five Nights at Freddy's. It's come up here and there, but we infrequently touch on video games. That's right. Actually, I want to mention something that is part of joining the Patreon is that you get access to a database of all of our previous episodes. So that means that you could do a find and replace for like Freddy's and find the episode right away that's Five Nights at Freddy's. It's just like an extra little, it it makes life easier if you're trying to find something. Yeah, exactly. Make your life easier. That's what we're trying to do. So we'll be back next week for more spooky old stories. But until that time comes, we must travel. Back to the netherworld, go we. Through, through, through. We're here. Beep, pop, beep. Beep, pop, beep, boop. I'm in the netherworld. It's so scary. Oh, 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 oh,